Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our next session. Elizabeth Inman and I um, have been talking about federal employee retirement issues. And today, we're going to talk about retirement income strategies. So, Elizabeth, thank you, and welcome back. Thank you, Jeff. We wrapped up our last session with risk and uh, very good information. So for those of you that have joined us the first time, haven't gone back to the YouTube channel or the podcast network, go back and uh, catch the previous sessions and chapters, great information. And so today we're going to talk about retirement income strategy. So Elizabeth, let's jump right in there. What, is, what, is, what does that mean? Well, you know, developing a retirement strategy means that we're going to shift our mindset from that of accumulation to distribution of our assets. In other words, we're going to shift to the income strategy. You know, while we're in the accumulation stage of our life, we're working and we're drawing a consistent paycheck. But when we retire, we move into a new stage of life, the stage we call income. That means that we're no longer having money withdrawn from our checks and put into a savings for retirement. <clears throat> We're instead relying on the money that we've already saved for retirement to be the income we live on for the rest of our life. I love in your book how you use the um, retirement savings analysis as a squirrel gathering acorns and nuts uh, for the winter. And once the winter's there, they gotta rely on all that food they've stored up. Um, during their active period right and sure. um so when you're retired you're no longer earning that paycheck and you have to rely on turning those assets into what you call the distribution stage so can you talk about that phase which a lot of people are entering into and with this crazy year more people than ever are entering this phase of their life you bet, Jeff. Uh, you know, federal employees during their accumulation phase, they're saving towards retirement predominantly in three ways. First of all, it's their wages that, that are turned into a contribution to a retirement through like a payroll deduction, such as the FERS retirement system. So <clears throat> every two weeks, a FERS employee is having a certain amount deducted from their paycheck that goes into what will be their pension fund. The second way is they're also having funds deducted for Social Security. The taxes are withheld and, and put away so that in the end, they'll draw a pension or an, a, an annuity off of Social Security. Then the third way that most federal employees are uh, accumulating their funds for retirement is through the contributions they make to the TSP where they're matched up to 5% into that thrift savings plan. So for some federal and postal employees, they also may have some other funds that they're accumulating through the years that will help them in retirement through other investments, but predominantly it's these three primary ways that we accumulate money towards retirement that we then can turn in, uh, into income. So the, the thrift savings plan as well as outside investments and savings is really back to that squirrel analogy of tucking away as much as you can. Um, so that you can sustain yourself during um, good and bad times in retirement. And just because you have a, a huge pile of acorns, you may think you're comfortable, but just like we're seeing right now, a change in the weather, um, 
unexpected changes in the economy, a pandemic, rioting, uh, chaos may uh, make that winter season go longer. So could you get into some of the, uh, you know, we talk about accumulation of assets, but um, when you're in the distribution phase, could you get into um, how once you're retired and the fact that we're living longer, some of the uh, strategic uh, planning that you do with your clients to make sure that they don't run out of money? I, I sure can. You know, Jeff, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, who knew that 2020 was going to be what it is? Who knew that, you know, the stock market was going to do what it did in March of this year? Once we retire, you know, the only acorns that we're going to have are the ones that we've saved. The only funds that we have to draw income off of are the ones that we've saved. You know, and today, Americans are living longer. It, it's a fact. <clears throat> Federal employees in 2018 had a decrease in the cost of their FEGLI. And why is that? Because the longevity tables were altered to allow for our longevity. Isn't that too cool that we're living longer? But with living longer comes some unique possible problems in that we want to make sure we're going to have enough money through all of our life and that we don't end up later years in our retirement and run out of money. Well, I'm going to put two stats together. One that uh, you gave me that's scary. And we're not here to be fear mongers and uh, try to scare everybody. I think uh, realism is 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 where we sit right now, and knowledge is power. I think that uh, that that's something that is uh, sometimes people might think that's trivial, but in the world we're in, the more educated you are, the better prepared you are to make decisions, especially in your as you approach your retirement years, to make sure that you can weather these storms. And um, a couple stats, uh, I, I couldn't believe I heard this. An economist was talking about right now, it used to take, back in the 80s, it would take 25 to 30 weeks for the average American family to make enough to sustain their standard of living, pay their taxes. And then the rest, you know, the, the remaining 20, 20 plus weeks would be for savings. The same research institute came out with a stat that said now 53 weeks, 53 weeks is what it takes to generate um, the standard of living that Americans are paying for. Expenses, taxes, and so if it's 53 weeks, uh, based on my calculations, we still only have 52 weeks in a year. Is that correct? You're right, Jeff. So that scares me. And then with your stat that you shared with me, two-thirds of all Americans worry that they will run out of money after retirement. Wow. That's that's something else. You, you bet. And I love how you said it. You know, we're about educating our federal employees, our federal retirees to make good decisions for themselves. This isn't about fear. It's not that we're spread, spreading fear. In fact, Education is the power. So another major concern that we have to know how to deal with is our long-term care in retirement. There, these are two factors that we have very little control over. You know, are we going to run out of money after we retire? How am I going to handle maybe a catastrophic health event if it takes place? If we stay healthy longer, it will definitely be a drain on our resources, right? 
And if a right. catastrophic event that, um, with our health happens, that literally can drain our resources. But there's a few other factors that we need to consider um, when we're talking about our intentions in retirement. <clears throat> you know, a retirement specialist that I like to follow, his name is Tom Hegna. He categorizes retirement in three phases, the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. I really like that. It's easy for me to relate to those things. The go-go years is when, you know, we're going to retire and we want to travel and see the grandkids, or I want to go on that cruise I never went on. I'm going to take some vacations. I want to see the world. And then immediately following that go-go year comes the slow-go years. We still go. We still do things. It takes extra money to go and do, but we've slowed down a little bit. And then finally, the last phase that I see people having a harder time planning for are the no-go years, where because of health, because of age, or just because we're at this place in our life, we're not going nearly as much as we used to go. You know, recently I met with a federal inspector who's looking uh, at retiring within the next couple of years, and her husband is several years older than she is, and he actually retired three years ago. Well. He just recently had a hip replacement, and that really brought home the reality of what retirement might look like for them. He had a lot of months of rehab that he wasn't as mobile as he once was simply because he'd had that hip replacement. You know, they have plans, and they have exciting plans. They want to live life to the fullest immediately after her retirement, but they realize that it won't be too long until he's not as mobile as he used to be because he is a lot older than she is. So they're currently assessing what their early retirement needs will be versus what that uh, what their needs might look like 10 years later. And their plan is very different from perhaps somebody in a different situation has for their retirement. And we're able to get very specific uh, making plans for each individual retirement. Well, you bring up an interesting example there because I've always been of the belief that you cannot plot and chart your way through your, your financial life. You have outside forces like we're experiencing in 2020 that alter your plan. So it's one thing to accumulate money when you retire, but it's another thing to make sure that you have a sound method for generating income throughout your retirement. Well, that is so true, Jeff. Lifetime income. If you're listening to this podcast, Pick up a pencil, use a piece of paper, and write down lifetime income. Not just a savings account we draw money out of, but income that will sustain us throughout our entire life and through the crisis that may or may not happen in our retirement. It's one thing to have accounts and assets that's just sitting out there in the world during your accumulation phase. That feels good. I mean, who doesn't like that, right? But putting those assets to work for you to maximize your income in retirement is a whole new ballgame. I actually had a client that started very, very late in life with the federal government. She had stayed home and had raised her children and was a stay-at-home mom. <clears throat> and, and little did she know that she'd end up being a widow much younger than what she had originally thought would happen. So here she is uh, working later in life, and she had just accumulated about $76,000 at a time when she knew she's going to have to retire. And with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she said, Elizabeth, do you not understand when I retire and I start taking that money out of my TSP, how fast $76,000 will be gone? 
And I said, you bet I do. And so we talked about options to give her lifetime income that she can draw on those funds. And even when that account gets to zero, she still has an income coming in. And you would have thought I actually saved her life. <laughs> you know, these yeah. days we don't, we don't want our lifestyle to change in retirement. After all, that's why we saved all that money. We, we actually sacrificed during our career so that our retirement doesn't look different as far as our lifestyle goes. You know, that's why we put that money into the TSP account. So putting together a plan that looks at your needs in retirement in each phase of retirement and simultaneously use those assets by turning them into income that will last your lifetime and meet those needs can become uh, quite a challenge to us. And it, but, but it can be accomplished. It can be accomplished over a number of different ways. So at a basic level, retirement planning is a way to give yourself a paycheck when you're done working. But I talk about this all the time. Your expenses don't stop. <laughs> they don't stop. Neither um, does inflation, huh, Jeff? Neither does inflation. So, you know, for our audience out there, federal and postal employees, you know, you may have, you know, finding the right plan that they can actually retire with with as much income in retirement as they had while they're working. And sometimes you point out maybe even more, correct? Uh, that's correct. I, I, that's some of the most fun I have doing what I do is when I sit down with somebody and show them their pension report and they look up at me and say, well, wait a minute, that's, that's more than I'm bringing home now while I'm working. I mean, it, it, you know, we just don't do any plans towards preparing for our retirement, unfortunately, until we're almost there. And then they're so shocked when they realize, oh, wow, all that sacrifice I made, that money I put into TSP or into this account is going to pay me uh, in such a way that I'm going to be able to enjoy the same lifestyle I have. So one of the things I always like to point out about retirement is the diversification of our, of our funds. So seldom do you see, using that analogy I used in the book, do you see a squirrel put all of their acorns in one tree? Almost always that squirrel's gonna take those acorns and their hard earned nuts and they're gonna stash them in a number of different places just in case. So mm -hmm. why should we as federal employees be any different, right? With the current system, however, our federal retirement keeps us locked into a retirement totally dependent on our government for our livelihood after retirement. After all, <clears throat> our first pension is a government annuity. Our social security is a government annuity. And the TSP when we retire becomes once again a government annuity if we just leave it as is. So I don't know about you, but I think it's a very, very relevant question to ask how comfortable are you knowing that everything, every single income stream is controlled by the government for your retirement? You know, that was a question I had to ask myself when I retired. That's a huge question, and you you absolutely need to know your options. Well, as we started this presentation, knowledge is power, and putting all the pieces together as um, as part of my responsibility with what we do as educators in marketing is to try to help, for example, the audience out there be connected with somebody that has lived their life and understands their benefits because it could 
make or break your retirement with decisions that maybe if you went to an Edward Jones rep, nothing against Edward Jones, but they don't know your specific benefits, they could actually do you more harm than good. So you like to talk about uh, not only the ins and outs of the retirement system, but the so-called, I like this, I like this term, the phrase you've coined, federal language. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, I, I, it breaks my heart, Jeff, to sit across the table from somebody who met with a professional and they thought they were doing the right things. But, you know, postal employees are the only federal agency that does not pay for basic life insurance. It's just part of their benefit package as of today that there is no cost to a postal employee for their basic life insurance. Well, that's their salary rounded up plus 2000 and it's totally free. If they happen to be below the age of 45 or actually below 35, it's double. And then between 35 and 45, that doubling goes down 10%. So we, a lot of times, Jeff, are talking about a lot of free insurance for postal employees. But because they used a financial professional who does not understand benefits, if I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody say, well, they just said drop the Fegley because it gets expensive, drop the Fegley because it gets expensive, and then they end up dropping several hundred thousand dollars worth of free life insurance because they didn't know postal employees got their basic insurance free. You know, it's just a perfect example of why using a professional that understands and is trained in federal benefits is so important. Not only am I trained, but I live it myself because I am a federal retiree drawing a pension from my years in federal service. So, you know, my own retirement is proof that finding that professional who's trained and skilled in creating a strategic federal plan for your retirement is very beneficial. It's important to make sure that your own stash of acorns, as we're talking about, is ready to support you for the rest of your life. Well, and I've also been having this conversation uh, recently, too. I think, um, you know, you can put a bunch of numbers down in some type of calculation and show you this great plan. And wow, okay, based on the numbers, it looks like I'm going to be just fine. But the reality is that uh, life is very complicated. We talked about the eroding, I always talk about the eroding factors of wealth, you know, changes in taxation, uh, pandemics, rioting, um, inflation, health issues, as you pointed out. And so you may have a computer generated report, and that's useful as I always say it's the starting gate. To you know, like if you go the you you go to the doctor and you have an annual physical and they come back with the results, your your lab and everything, that's just a piece of the puzzle, and that's the analogy I, I always make because knowing what the report really means behind the numbers and how you can use those numbers to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I always talk about, and I like you to elaborate on this, Elizabeth. Um, and I you know I'm just I was just thinking about this a couple weeks ago is that most people make emotional financial decisions and that's plotting and charting your way and trying to accumulate Um, i talk about logical financial decisions which is more financial engineering putting yourself in a position where when these eroding factors of wealth and these um these events occur that weren't part of that plotting and charting um that's where having somebody 
that specializes in their benefits could maybe save them thousands of dollars by uh, maneuvering because it's not just it's not just the numbers um it's what's behind them correct that is absolutely correct jeff and again my own life my own career my own retirement is a direct reflection of that so i was one of those do-it-yourselfers um thought i could make all the decisions i needed to make i thought i was fine doing it myself well i got hired into the federal service on october the 16th of 1986 with the idea that on october the 16th of 2016 30 years later I would retire because I would have minimum retirement age with my 30 years of service. Well, had I done that and actually followed that plan, I would have cost myself several thousand dollars just from picking the wrong date to retire. So <clears throat> I've actually created my mission statement for federal employee benefit coordinators. Our mission is to move federal and postal employees away from retiring based on a date into retirement based on solid financial decisions. You know, it's kind of like if you gotta have heart surgery, uh, wouldn't you agree, Jeff, that having heart surgery might be a major decision to make? Right. <laughs> so I go into the heart specialist and because I'm a do-it-yourselfer, I tell him how to go about having heart surgery that's not likely to be a decision we're gonna make. It's not something we wanna do. Well, you know, we're gonna sit down in about two hours time, fill out all the paperwork, make all the decisions for our retirement in that two hours. And if we're not prepared and we're not educated and we haven't used the proper professional, such as the heart surgeon being the right person to operate on my heart, we're gonna make mistakes. And not only that, but the computers with all of those reports that we have available, and we have a lot of them. I, I love to put reports with numbers in your hand to help you make decisions towards retirement. But one of the things those computers can't do for us is to filter in how you personally want your retirement to feel what, or, or what you want your retirement to actually look like. Another example is the process of deciding when and when and how you want to start drawing your social security benefits and how medicare benefits affect your retirement so things like how well how well you enjoy or don't enjoy your job what your health status is now or will be in the future or your just overall big picture of financial hopes and dreams cannot be factored in to any computer program planning for vacations and the activities you want to enjoy can have a big impact on how long your retirement assets might last and certainly what we've gone through in the year 2020 has made that point. I've had so many people call me and say, well, Elizabeth, I, I've got 36 years service. And when this virus hit, I thought, what am I working for? You know, I had another person call and say, my wife has some severe health issues. And every day that I go to work and come home, I'm taking a risk of exposing her. So the things that the computers can't filter in about our hopes and our dreams and what we want to have happen is something that you can get when you use the right professional to help you with your plans. Well, and the bottom line, you need a trusted financial professional who can walk you through exactly what you just talked about. There's, there's no doubt. Hmm. Do it yourself, retirement is over. It's just, <laughs> it's just, uh, there's just too much, too much at stake to risk that, isn't there? 
That's for sure. You know, the time has passed where our government agencies provide that guidance for us about retirement. Our best source within our agency happens to be other people who have retired. Is that really how you want to base your entire future is just call that person that retired last year and ask their opinion? You know what someone else may or may not have done about their own retirement. You know, the system's broken and it's not your fault as a federal employee that you don't have the tools you need for retirement from within your own agency. Um, you know, it's just in conclusion, it, you're not alone when it comes to figuring out your retirement income strategies. My singular focus is to get you to a place of confidence where you feel equipped to make the best decisions for you in your life. I'm available for guidance, I'm available for education, and confidence comes with knowledge. Lifetime income is the key. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for your time today, Elizabeth. Great information. Thank you, Jeff, for the opportunity. I love the idea that we're getting this message out to more and more people and we can help more and more people. Thank you for that opportunity, now's, Jeff. Now's the, now's the time, there's no doubt. So how, those attending, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Um, you can go to our website, www.retirechoices.com and um, click on the link to make an appointment with me and that's one way you can reach us. And you can also, for those attending, um, check us out at fed, F-E-D, fedchecklist.com. You can download a retirement, complimentary retirement workbook and budget. There's some worksheets in there that, that um, I think are very helpful. Um, and really as a follow-up to what we talked about today. You can also put questions in on the website there. We'll get them to Elizabeth and her team. And you can also call us at 888-545-8840. That's 888-545-8840, extension 700. And Carrie will be there to take your questions down and can also book a time with Elizabeth and her team if you have specific questions, like to set up a complimentary consultation. Uh, with Elizabeth. So, um, okay. So what are we going to be talking about next week? We're going to cover the things that's covered in chapter five of our book next week, Jeff, and I'm looking forward to being able to share all that information. All right. So join us next week as we continue to work through retirement planning and what you need to be looking out for, especially in this crazy year of 2020. Um, thanks again, Elizabeth, and we'll catch you back here next week. Look for the next episode. This conference will now be.